So we're talking about uh, church. What's what we've been talking about the last uh, three? This is the third week of a four-week series. So we got this week and the next week we'll conclude it. And if you remember back two weeks ago, we talked about what the church is. And we used some phrases. We talked about the body of Christ and we talked about the bride of Christ, and we just talked about what that means, what that relationship means, and why did Jesus establish the church to, to bring glory to himself, but to also like help bring more and more people into the fold of following Jesus. And so this is what the perfect fit is all about, is how God brings people together to basically bring glory to himself, to bring more and more people into relationship with him, and so last week we talked really practically and heavily on some three different key terms. We talked about connecting, serving, and sharing, and how in each of those ways you can connect with God and each other. So we can connect with God and each other, we can serve God and each other, and we can share with God and each other. And so we talked about just even thinking about grading ourselves or taking inventory on our lives to say, you know, where am I at in that process? Am I a two or a three, and like really ten is what we talked about. I was like, that's when we're going to be in heaven, where we're going to be able to connect, serve, and share like unadulterated love with God when we're in heaven, and with each other, where we're going to have perfect relationship, perfect harmony, and peace with God and each other when when like we're in heaven and we're in that like perfect relationship with God. But until then, we have work to do. And so we talked about just doing those practical things. And we, we threw out a bunch of things. And if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go listen to that because it's very practical and things that we can all do in our daily lives. And so today we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about growth. And it comes from this verse. The whole theme of this series comes from Ephesians 4.16. And really Ephesians 4, if you read the whole book, it's talking about the body and the different parts. But it, it kind of culminates into this verse. And so it says in Ephesians 4.16 that he, and this is Jesus, he makes the whole body fit, perfect, fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so Jesus fits us together perfectly so we can be full of love. And when, I, when we're talking about us, we're talking about a a church. We're talking about people that are coming together who have said, I've chosen to follow Jesus, and we're all brought together by that one goal and purpose, is that we want to follow Jesus, we want to love him, we want to live in the way of love that Jesus taught us to live through his life. And that's what a church is. Open life, if you remember back to a series, a couple series ago, we talked about open life being a church, but part of the church. Open life is a church, and we're connected with every other church that proclaims Jesus. And so it's an exciting time is when we get to come together, we get to come together and give God praise, give Jesus praise, give him thanks for all the way that he lived his life, that he died on the cross, rose again for our sins so we could be in relationship with him. But every other church that does that too, we are still connected with with them part of the global church. And so this whole series is we've been talking about what is the church and as Open Life, what are we doing as a church? And so we've been taking these four weeks leading up to Easter to talk about that. But how can we really be rooted in Jesus? How can we really take steps to see health grow in us? How can we take steps to actually grow the church? And then next week we're going to be talking about what it means to be a church that's full of love. What does that mean to kind of take steps to show people love? And as a church, how do we do that together? But today we're going to be talking about growth. And so it's important to remember that all of this starts with God's love for us. 
whenever we're talking about health or growth or being full of love, we can't have that until we choose to acknowledge the love that God has for us. And so we're not going to get healthy in those areas of connecting, serving, and sharing if we have not acknowledged the love that God has for us, the love that Jesus has for us. It has to be rooted in Jesus' love. And so today, as we talk about growth, we need to look past our own personal growth for a second and think about ways that we can grow as a church together, as a body of believers. And so it's the season of growth. It's springtime, and I don't know about you, but if you've looked at your lawn or garden, I have major work to do if I'm going to have a good yard this summer to be able to relax in. And it's just funny because it's like so, I have like basically my front yard gets no sun exposure over the whole course of the winter. So I have a front yard, not of grass, but a front yard of moss. And so I have to make decisions now on am I going to like kill it and thatch it? Am I just going to kill it and leave it there and hope that grow grasses underneath? I got major decisions to do in order to reap like a good summer of people driving by my house and not looking the other way. But to be able to say, you know what, I want a good yard, and so I have to make decisions now to be able to reap those good rewards of a nice yard. And part of that also, you know, you have to clean after your dog so it doesn't kill the grass around there. There's just so many different things that you have to do. And it's like I'm a bare minimum type of guy because when it comes to lawn and yard work, I was not taught in the ways uh, like my father was. He didn't apprentice me in that way. Like we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I didn't learn all those things the way I should have. And so if he ever listens to this podcast, he's going to feel really terrible about himself. But he, he succeeded in a lot of other better ways and so he has nothing to be ashamed about but I not I never loved yard work and I still I like it now because I can, like kind of take ownership in it but now I'm just not good at it so I try to be better at that as we do that but in this season of growth we can use our lawns and our gardens as a way to also look at our church is that if we're growing there's things that we need to do and think about that's going to prepare us for growth that might happen in six months or a year or even five years when do we get those huge dreams in our hearts about what God might have for open life in the future, what God might be stirring in our own hearts for the future in terms of being a part of open life. And so there's decisions that can be made now that we can reap benefits of in the future. And so we're going to be talking about some spiritual things to look at, but also some very practical things that we can look at together as a church. And so today, the big idea that we want to talk basically is this, is that we were made to grow together. We were made to grow, not in like just our own secluded little section of our lives, but to grow together with people and with relationship, not only with God, but also with each other. And so from the beginning, Open Life, our main mission and goal from the very beginning has been to be people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And if you go back to that Ephesians 4 verse, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's the whole body. He doesn't just pick a nucleus of people and say, you are the ones who fit together and everyone else has to go and figure out how to fall in line with that. But he helps the whole body fit together for health, for growth, and to be full of love. And so the pressure is off because we all get to work together in our pursuit of love, health, and growth in the unity that we find in Jesus. And so you're here on a Sunday experiencing a little bit part of that. Your kids, if they're in kids' life, they're experiencing that. If you have middle school or high school students and they go to student life, they're experiencing a little glimpse of that. 
when we're able to join together at events like the Big Give, we're experiencing these little glimpses of God bringing people together to pursue growth and health and love and just understanding what it means to be unified in Christ. And so it's to think about this, when you really think about our mission here at Open Life, it's people, and that's plural. It's not a person. It's people leading people. Again, it's plural. It's multiple people. Multiple people leading multiple people into a growing, a healthy, and full love relationship with Jesus. And so that's kind of the big idea that we want to focus on today. So we have some thoughts on how we can grow together, and I hope you can see yourself in them. Of course, as you, you see your relation to God, but I hope you can see yourself in them as you see your relationship to open life. And so thought one today is that Jesus knew the importance of a team. And if you've been seeing the March Madness, you know this is like team talk because we're talking about all these teams that maybe you've picked to go on to win. I picked Virginia, and so I am not doing so hot in my bracket challenge. And uh, it's just funny because I don't even think Jesus would have picked UMBC. And it's just like, like, you know, he's like, it would have shocked him if they had won, you know. And so it's just funny when you're thinking about that. But I, what I love is that each team is different. Each team has a different makeup or a different mentality. And so, you know, you see those teams that like to showboat, and then you see those teams that just are like hard work, no nonsense. And then you see those teams that like, you know, they're, they're a good team, but there's one guy who's doing the heavy lifting, and he's doing the scoring. But then you have these other teams where it's like you got five guys, and they're just even scores, like 10 points a game, and they're hustling, they're doing rebounding, and they're getting all the whatever basketball terms, you no, I'm not. I'm, if we we're talking about soccer, I'd know a little bit more. But when you think you're looking at a team, though, you can see these different dynamics play out. And you're, you're just like, that's cool when different things. Well, I love the guy who's just terrible. Like, all he does is get rebounds. But yet, the announcer will say, you know what? He's a leader from the back. He's, he's, you know, barking orders and getting people in line. And he's the coach on the court. Those are, like, my types of people. Because, like, I know if I were out there, I would be that guy. Like, trying to, like, do my best, do the hustle work, but not, I, you know, I was, like, passing to the other guy. Hey, shoot, shoot, shoot. Whereas, like, I would be so nervous. You know, I think about being on a free throw at the end of the game, and that would be the last thing that I would want to do. Super Bowl, the kick, big field goal at the end, I literally think I would, like, throw up on my way to kicking it because I would be so nervous. It's just not my thing. But during this March Madness time, I get really nostalgic because I grew up in Spokane, and of course, Gonzaga is in Spokane, and this is their 20th year of being in the tournament. And what's cool is that I actually moved to Spokane on year one of their, like, huge run. And so it was like, I was this just nerd in school. No one liked to talk to me. I was a new kid who moved in the middle of the year, and no one, like, wanted to, you know, be friends with the new guy. But March Madness, we got to pick the brackets, and it was the first time I've ever done it. And so I don't know if you remember, but you could get pop, and then if you, I think it was Pepsi or Mountain Dew, you would look at under the cap and you'd have a team. And so I remember I got Gonzaga online and everyone was so jealous because we I got the, like the home team for, of our school. You know, everyone was rooting for him. And like the whole school stopped during the games. We all watched the games during school. Probably not like an educator's like best decision, but it was awesome to be a part of. It's like what I remember from middle school. <laughs> and so it's just this, like, nostalgic thing because you get to see people. Like, I remember the guys' names who were on the first team. It was, like, Matt Santangelo, Richie Fromm, 
Casey Cavalry, and just you're going to, and I can go back, I can go back like 20 years, and just see, remember all these people, and just the different mentality and the makeups that each team had each year was completely different. And so when you look at Jesus' life, though, you see that he saw the importance of team as well. And what's cool is that Jesus had every right to be the all-star, the showboat, the one that said, this is all about me. I'm just taking all the focus, but he chose to give the focus and share the focus with the team of people. And so we're going to read about that. It's just a, a quick chunk, and there's two different sides to it. And so it's found in Matthew 4, 18 through 25. It's when Jesus calls his first disciples. And so it, the story goes like this. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they... For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two, old, two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. And so just think about if Jesus came to your place of work or your place of business and he said, come and follow me. Like if you're a teacher and you're, he said, come and follow me and I will make you not teachers of kids, but teachers of my church. Or if he came to you and you're accountant and he said, come and follow me. No longer count money for that business. Count the money for my church or count the people that I'm going to help you raise and just like you just you think about Jesus coming to you, calling you, and just making a direct impact to your business. So don't do that. Do this instead with me. But this is Jesus calling his first disciples. This is Jesus calling his first team. It's just like, I'm gonna invest in these guys. And so then the, the story goes on. It says Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. And so if you just think about that moment... Why did Jesus call specific people to be on his team? And why did he let the crowds follow him? He didn't have to do that. When you think of Jesus, he could have just come and kept everything private and said, you know what, I'm going to just take all the focus for myself. But he chose to be relational. He chose to invest into people. And he chose to be a part of people's lives. I love the stories you hear of Jesus when no one was too sick. No one was too dirty, as we might call them today. No one was too young. No one was too this for Jesus to interact with them. What if Jesus walked by the lake and just went past Peter and Andrew? What if he just walked past James and John and said, You know what? I'm, I'm just going to go it go alone. What if he still healed people and, yeah, he healed them, but then just the crowds didn't start following? Or he actually intentionally drew away when the crowds would come instead of teaching them. It would be all for nothing. 
But what you see in something so practical and simple that we need to understand about Jesus is that he who didn't need us chose and wanted to be in close relationship with us. It's important when we're talking about team, when we're talking about church, is that we need to be together and rooted in each other. We need to be a part of a team because Jesus saw the importance of being a part of the team. And so instead of he offers relationship, he offers closeness, he offers healing to the sick, and he wants to know as much as he wants to be known, is that he wants to know us. As much as it is that he wants to proclaim himself and have people know and understand the good news, he also wants to know our situations and maybe the bad news that we're dealing with our lives so that he can meet us where we're at. And so like Jesus, it's important that we know and are known by each other. It's important that we know we're on a real team and not just here to stoke someone else's ego or to, to be here for just a role or just one purpose, but to be here knowing that we, we're here to be known and to be in relationship with one another. We're here to be people, plural, leading people, plural, into a growing relationship with Jesus. And it's more, but it's more intentional than just being on a team together. There has to be something that's purposeful. There has to be some intentionality to it. Because, thought to, Jesus knew how to apprentice people. Now, growing up, I mentioned it. I was not apprenticed in the ways of gardening or, you know, keeping a good lawn. And so I have YouTube now. And it's like YouTube's the new, like, thing that we get to apprentice. And when you don't know something, it's, I don't even Google anymore. I go straight to YouTube so I can watch someone show me how to do something. And so you'll often hear Jesus' training of the disciples with this term discipleship. You hear it often. And so every church has a discipleship plan. Like every church has a way of getting people from walking in the door and maybe choosing to follow Jesus to being a more mature follower of Jesus. And we kind of talked about that last week. Is for here at Open Life, we talk about those three things, connecting, serving, sharing with God and each other. That's kind of like our discipleship plan. But if we're not careful, discipleship in that term can really just become to mean like um, just spouting information, hoping people learn it, and then choosing to go from there. It's like I have to know, I have to understand at a certain level before I can do. But what you see for Jesus is that dis- discipleship, really apprenticeship, was experiential. Like he wasn't just calling disciples to learn about him. He was calling them to apprentice them, to actually ask them to live the way he did. It's pretty stark and pretty like eye-opening when you read about James and John, and it just says they immediately left his father and their business right there on the shore. Jesus was asking them to come alongside, to literally ask a disciple to come and follow him. It was like asking someone to walk in my path, to walk, let the dust of my feet fall onto you. And so it's incredible when you look at this is that Jesus wasn't just calling them to teach them something. He was calling them to live something. And so the disciples chose and followed to do that. And so for the next three years, what did they do? Did they just sit and read from a book to learn about Jesus? No, they did the work and they did the ministry that Jesus was involved in. I just think about what a rush and what a thrill to be able to watch Jesus firsthand and see his work. To see him doing his ministry, to see all the miracles. And so if you look at the way Jesus' experiential leadership worked, he oftentimes would be teaching the disciples, but then they might hear a teaching and they would take him aside and ask, Jesus, why do you choose to use parables when you're talking to the people? 
And then other times, the disciples might try and do ministry themselves, like praying for someone who is demon-possessed. But then, you know, it wouldn't work for them. And so then they'd ask. They'd pull Jesus aside and say, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast out that demon? And then other wet times, Jesus would actually send the disciples out two by two to do ministry on their own. They would come back and kind of just talk about what their experiences were. Questions would come. And so in this hugely spiritual interaction that Jesus is having of raising disciples and apprenticing people, he's also being hugely practical in a way that he can develop leaders. And so what is what we try and do here at Open Life? And it's called the stages of leadership development. And this isn't, we didn't create this. We're totally taken from a book. It's called Exponential. But how you can train people to take different levels of leadership through a course of maybe months, years, multiple years. But it's a way to work through this. And so the first step, and this is what Jesus did, is to say, be like, I do, you watch, and then we talk. Jesus did this all the time. Jesus would go do ministry, the disciples would watch, and then afterwards they would talk. The second step might be, I do, you help, and then we talk. You see this multiple times where Jesus would do, but with the help of the disciples, and then afterward they would just talk about what those experiences were. And so then you go on and on, and you see that Jesus goes on and gives more and more leadership and more and more uh, just power for the disciples to to like walk in their own ministry. And so this becomes step three, is like you do and then I help. Like the teacher becomes alongside the ones they've been teaching to help them grow in their leadership. And then finally, you do, I watch, and then we talk. Where Jesus could be like, like when he sends out the 72, two by two, is the story that you'll read in Matthew, and it, it, he said, or Luke. And so he sends them out, and he says, go and do this when you reach a town, do ministry, love on the people there, then come back, and we're going to talk about it. So that's Jesus saying, you do, I'm going to watch, and then we're going to talk about it, and kind of say, where do we need a course correct? What do we need to do differently? And so can you see how Jesus fleshed this out with his disciples? with his apprentices. He intentionally led them in a way that would help them experience who he is, but in an intentional way that they would be able to go and begin to do more and more on their own as well. And so if you think about the way that Jesus lived those three years of his life before his ministry started when he called disciples and then to where he, like we're getting ready to celebrate his crucifixion and resurrection and when he sent the disciples out, it's like, you see all these spiritual things, but then you look and you just marvel at Jesus. Is like, there's some really practical things that Jesus did to help the growth of the church. To when he's like talking to Peter and he says, on you I'm going to establish my church. He's being really practical. He's saying, Peter, do these things the way that I've taught you. You've been following me. You've been walking in my path. And you know the way to live your life. Turn back to him. And so that's when, when we were talking about those things and how the church was established. It's so important that we look at the practical side along with the really spiritual side. And so this is what we try and do at Open Life. Even on a volunteer basis, if you choose a volunteer, say with Kids Life, or you volunteer and help serve coffee, there's this intentional plan to take you from not, we don't just say, hey, here's a bunch of stuff to read. This is what you have to do on Sunday. And then, you know, do it. It's like we actually have a plan where you go through this process of I do, you watch, we talk. I do, you help, we talk. You do, I help. You do, I watch, we talk. And so it's this way of just raising people up, getting them equipped and ready for more and more 
roles, more and more responsibility, more and more just things that you can do to be a part of what Open Life is doing. And so I covered those four things already, but I said we would be talking about growth today, and we really haven't gotten to that point. It's because then that's what comes with step five, and this is this, is that you do and someone else watches. We could go through those four steps with as many people as possible, but that's only going to be adding people. Like if, if I'm training someone to say, you want to learn how to do the sound here on a Sunday morning, it's a pretty complicated job, but I could train one person to do through those four things. You know, I'm going to do it the first week, you completely watch. The next week, do a little bit more. The third week, maybe you want to do like half of the work and I'm going to help you do that. And then by the fourth week, you know, why don't you just jump into it and then I'll watch you. And I think Eric's smiling because he's like, it would take way more than a month to be able to learn how to do all that stuff. And it's true. But it's just, I'm just, you know, spitballing here, going, trying to take you down in progression. But if I don't teach you to teach someone else, then I'm really debilitating our whole entire organization. Because then after I train someone else, someone else can then come under that person and then I can take someone else. And so Jesus could have simply said, you know what, I'm going to take you one by one, train you to do things, and then at the end of their ministry, they would have 13 people. He had 12 disciples. Counting Jesus, there would be 13 people. But when we look at the way of Jesus and what he challenges him to do, is that it's not just, it's not just addition, it's exponential growth. Where Jesus turns in, I'm going to help one person, and that person is going to follow me, and I'm going to teach them to lead other people. And so then us two, let's go take on two more people. So two becomes four, four becomes eight, 16 to 32, 32 to 64, 128, 256, 512, 1,024 to 2,048 people. And that's 12 levels. And so if you think that Jesus took on 12 people, and if they went and took on 12 people, that's exponential growth, not just addition by saying, you know what, it's all on me to do this one by one to raise up a church. But when everyone shares the burden, when everyone learns and gets to that point to learn to lead and help people in their gifting, that's how you create exponential growth. True growth happens when we bring others with us, and that's thought three, is that we grow by bringing others with us. And this is something that we have to be totally intentional about and choose to do. It's so much easier to do stuff on our own. It's so much easier to make a plan and say, if I want the job done right, I'm going to do it myself. It's faster. It's way more efficient. Until you learn how to train someone to do what you do until Jesus was able to apprentice people. And then it becomes way more efficient if you learn the concepts, if you learn the process of investing into people and being about people and bringing along people for the ride. Is that's, that's when you see growth. And that's the thing that Jesus did. In Matthew 28, this is after Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and he's giving one final kind of command, and it's called the Great Commission to all of his disciples. He said, Jesus came and told them this, I have been, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus not only called us to follow him and become his disciples, he's called everyone to be his disciples. And that means all of us are called to make disciples. This needs our time, this needs our talents, this needs our treasure to invest in. This needs an intentional plan. Growth is not something to be scared of. It's not something to be fearful of. But it's something to pursue and go after and realize that that's what Jesus wanted. Jesus, and it all comes back to understanding and being rooted in the love of Jesus. It's not that we grow to, to impress anyone, but we grow because Jesus loves people. Jesus wants more and more people in his family, a part of his church for specific purposes. Jesus wants people to be a part of his church so that they can go and bless other people who don't know him. When you think about all the things going on in our society and in our culture, there's things that the church could be doing if we would just work together, if we would just invest instead of being about our own selves or saying, I'm going to go do this because this is my plan and this is what I want to do. But if we would all say, you know what? Because Jesus... We're going to join together and help meet needs in our community. Because Jesus, we're going to feed people on Thanksgiving. Because Jesus, we're going to provide school supplies for the schools in our school district. Because Jesus, we're going to be foster parents, even if it's an inconvenience to our lives. It's when we do these things, when we take these steps, that we begin to see the purpose of the church. The purposes of health, growth, and being full of love. If you go back to Ephesians 4, 16, it says Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. What's your special work? Our action point today is to find your own special work. Because the reality is we could totally invest ourselves into specific things and they might not be your things. We could say, we would love for you to do this. I'm going to list off a few things in just a minute. This is where you could get involved. But if that's not your thing, what is your special work? You know, it can be pretty intimidating. We actually, to go along with this apprenticing and leadership development plan that I kind of walked through, we also have like a leadership path where we actually envision people coming on a Sunday there is a pathway from getting a person from someone who just visits on a Sunday all the way up to being a campus pastor, an area leader, or even like a movement leader. And so this isn't something that happens over a month, over a year, over five years. That would be like a 20-year plan. But we have those dreams. Me and Thad, the leadership, the board of Open Life, we have those dreams of people invested with each other, of people apprenticing each other, of people growing. And so sometimes that starts with volunteering at the connect table. Sometimes that's volunteering in kids' life and becoming the eventual director of kids' life. Sometimes that can be all these things, and there's different things, whereas like we, even we have levels that are above Thad, where he was like, maybe he's the guy, or maybe there's someone else that's really good at that. And so it was like, that's our dream, though, of when we would do those things, 
be able to move and just see the emphasis that God has for this community, for this region, but of growth. And so last week we talked about joining the prayer team. Maybe that is your special work that helps the body grow and find health. Maybe you're someone who isn't just going to be a part of the meal group that takes meals to those that have had, you know, a loss in the family or a baby and you're taking meals. Maybe instead of just being a part of it, you're like, that's my special work and I want to be the coordinator of that. And so it's like there's so many different things. You know, we, this new entrance that we've, we kind of did in the last week, it's been cool, it's been fun, but it also means we need actually more greeters. One first handout worship guides, one at the door. And it's really hard when you're just hoping that people show up, but we have an intentional plan to get people signed up. If you want to be a greeter, maybe that is your special work, is that you just love interacting with people and welcoming, welcoming people to church. Maybe your special work is to help in kids' life. You've never taken that step to like be the person that would actually lead preschoolers, elementary kids. I don't know what it is. I just hope that you have that dream welling up inside of your heart because it's, the cool thing is the pressure's off. What I love about the Great Commission and Jesus saying is, is that he said he'll be with us every step of the way to the very end of the age. And so I just want you to be excited for ministry. And so maybe your special work is you're completely, totally invested in foster care. And maybe I would challenge you, maybe you could find other ways to connect with other people here at Open Life to become foster parents. Just dream big. Like dream other, even outside of Open Life. Maybe you're like, I love the big give, but why don't we do something else throughout the rest of the year? Those are dreams. Maybe you love the school supply give. You love investing into our schools, but you say, I think we should do more. That's, those are dreams we would love to hear, but it takes initiative. It takes involvement sometimes at a lower level to be able to grow up into those things that we have our dreams. My dream would, I would love to see Open Life have like two services here in Bonnie Lake and multiple services everywhere. You have to start somewhere. You don't just start and say, yeah, five locations, here we go. You have to grow into it. And that's the hope of growth. That's the hope of a plan and of being intentional with apprenticing and being a part of a team. And so I hope that you're challenged by that. I hope you're encouraged by that. I hope you're energized by that to see, you know what, maybe open life looks different in a year from now because of something I'm choosing to do today. To see that kind of growth would be cool and amazing. And I want that for you in your life. So God, we just come before you today. We just say thank you for your spirit's power that comes inside of us, God, to give us these dreams, to give us these visions, to give us these hopes, not only for our church, God, but for our families, for our neighborhoods, for the ones that we interact with at work. God, I pray, Lord, that you would expand our territory, that we would see people that need to be loved. It all comes back to your love for us, that you loved people. Thank you that you called Peter and Andrew, James and John. Thank you that you allowed people to come to you who are sick, broken, and hurting. 
God, let me find my special work in that. Let us find where we belong in that to connect with people, to be a part of your ministry, God. Maybe we're not going to become a pastor or a prophet or an evangelist, God, but maybe we're going to be the best darn greeter at Open Life that Open Life has ever seen. God, let us find and do our special work. We give it to you. We ask you to be in this place over these next moments as we praise you, as we worship, and we talk to you about what you might have for us. We ask this in your name. Amen.